We are starting this new series called Oceans of Grace, and uh, it is really a series around the book of Jonah, the lead up to Easter Sunday, and uh, where Phil's going to be talking about the sign of Jonah. But I guess throughout the book, we're going to be looking at the different events of what takes place in the book of Jonah, which is really fascinating, actually. And today's, well, this week, rather, has been, it's been quite interesting for me, um, as I was preparing this, this talk this morning, I was, I was trying to pull on a thread in the book of Jonah, and it kind of was not really happening for me. It just wasn't really, it felt like really hard work. And so I thought, forget it, forget this idea, chuck it to the side. And um, I think it was like Thursday or Friday or something like that, and I was sitting at home, and then this like, thought just like fell out of me. And I thought, you know what, that's... That is, I think, what this particular part of the story is all about. And so if you are interested in um, doing a little bit more study on the book of Jonah, there is this amazing book that's called The Prodigal Prophet, and uh, it's by Tim Keller. So if you are wanting to get a little bit more in depth into the book of Jonah, this is a really easy book to read. I'm not a fast reader, but it took me like a week and a half to two weeks to read. So it's really good, and it offers some really good information as well on the book of Jonah. But anyway, you ready to get into it? Yes. Excellent. Okay, I'm going to read from Jonah chapter 1, from verse 1 all the way through to verse 16. Anybody happy about spring? It feels so good, doesn't it? Walking out of the house this morning, seeing the sun across the city, across the basins, lovely. Here we are. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went down and boarded a ship and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, Oi, how can you be sleeping at a time like this? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and it fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? What are your people? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? Because they knew that he was running away from the Lord. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault and that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row it back to the land, but they could not, for the sea was getting even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. 
Then they took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to him and made vows to him. That was a long passage of scripture, wasn't it? Done your Bible reading for the day, I believe. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. God, we thank you that, Lord, nothing can change us today but you. And we know, Holy Spirit, that you're in this place. And we just ask that you would touch our lives and change us. And Lord, we just thank you for spring in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. The title of my talk is The Storm. But maybe as a subtitle, if you are writing notes, they say that 80% of people who write notes go to heaven. I don't know what happens to the other 20%. But if you are writing notes this morning, you can entitle this message maybe as a subtitle, Catch Me If You Can. So I don't know if you can notice, but I'm not like a big guy. I'm not the guy who's going to take gym pics and post them on Instagram. Like that's not me because I don't have too many muscles to boast about, okay? I've never been that way. In fact, in school, I was always like one of the small kids. I always remember being like, you know how they made you line up from height to lowest? Did you ever have that? I don't know about you guys, but for me, I had it all the time growing up in prep school. And I was like always at the very end, like, and there was maybe like one guy who was like shorter than me and smaller than me. And I always looked up to the top and like, oh, I want to be up there. But I was always small in school. And um, I guess you have to figure out what you're good at and what you're not good at, right, in school. So what I figured that I was really good at was running. I actually found that I was really fast. And although I wasn't big, I was quick, and I could evade, and I could dodge, and I could avoid. So if I ever got into a dangerous situation, like a tricky situation, I backed myself to run. Now, I reckon I could outrun just about anybody. In fact, I remember this one time when, um, when I was 14 years old, and I was with a school friend, and, and we were um, in, in South Auckland, and South Auckland is like in New Zealand, <laughs> we've got a whoa, oh, okay. Um, I, I went to school in South Auckland, but South Auckland was kind of a little bit rough in some parts. And so I went to a party with my friend and basically there was, there was this gang who turned up and, and they were kind of like a kid gang. It was kind of stupid, but anyway, they, they wanted to mark their territory. And so they fancied picking on us because there was just two of us. And so they wanted to beat us up. And so I put my strength to the test, and I ran as fast as I possibly could, and I evaded them. And my friend wasn't so lucky, but I was much faster than he was. <laughs> Have any of you ever seen the new show, Hunted? There's a new program on TV called Hunted, and basically the premise of the show is that these specialist um, surveillance people, they take 10 ordinary people like you and me, and, and they put them to the test. They say, we're going to give you one week to see if you can actually get away from us and go off grid. So like get, trying to get away from people in the surveillance state. So you can't use your credit card. You can't use your phone. You can't use public transport. You have to do your absolute best to try and get away from the surveillance people. And I don't know about you, but I saw that show and I was like, I backed myself to do that. I reckon, I reckon I could go off-grid and literally get away. How many of you think you could do that this morning? You think you could do that? I reckon you could do better than you think you could. Well, if you can, 
And if you're like me in any way, if you've ever backed yourself to outrun or to evade or to avoid, then maybe at some level you can connect with the story, the narrative, and the the plot of Jonah. Because Jonah was a guy who backed himself to outrun. Not just potential danger like me, but he was a guy who backed himself to outrun God. He was the type of guy who thought, I can evade and I can get away from the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I've had my moments. (laughs) I've had times where I've also backed myself to outrun God. Have you ever tried to run from God? Have you ever backed yourself to outrun him, to put distance between you and him? Have, Have you ever done that today? I think if we're honest today, I think all of us have been in that situation at some point in our lives, haven't we? Maybe, maybe you've sensed the call of God in your life and maybe you've sensed God calling you out of maybe your comfort zone into something that is naturally uncomfortable. Maybe it's been salvation for the first time, sticking your hand up in a service, praying a prayer, confessing before God. Maybe it's been starting in ministry Maybe it's been sharing your faith with somebody who doesn't know Jesus. God calling you, a call out of your comfort zone into something that is naturally uncomfortable. And maybe for some of us today, we've, we've taken the, the approach of Jonah. <laughs> we've backed ourselves to get away from God. And, and maybe we haven't physically run from God, but we have avoided God and we've avoided the subject and we have tried to evade it and we have put distance in our heart between us and God, and we have run from him in a proverbial sense. Have you ever run from God this morning? Uh Uh-huh, now we're getting some honesty. As the scripture says, right, in Isaiah, all have gone astray like sheep. All have taken their own path. And as Paul repeats in Romans, for all have sinned, And all have fallen short of the glory of God. We have all missed the mark at some level, haven't we? We have all missed it on God. I think all of us, we have all gone our own path, our own way. At some level, we have all backed ourselves to outrun God. And I think this is the beauty of this book in the Old Testament. To me, the most beautiful and most powerful books and stories of the Bible are are not so much the ones about the faithfulness of seemingly perfect men and women, but to me, the most powerful and most amazing, I guess, stories in this book are the ones in which, I guess, we see God's faithfulness in the face of faithless men and women. And even though this book is in the Old Testament, we see it as a powerful illustration of God's grace throughout the entire book. And as we go through it from week to week, we're going to see that it's God's grace that permeates the story from beginning to end. And at every turn and every twist, Jonah's evading, Jonah's avoiding this prodigal prophet, this reluctant prophet. We see God's grace on his life all the way through. And I think that's the beauty for you and I as well, isn't it? I guess we can connect with this book because we can connect to the grace of God and we can connect to Jonah's story in that 
we have missed it too. And we haven't, I guess, we haven't hit the mark. And because we've missed it, we too can find God's grace in our lives. So Jonah, he tries to run from God. And this is, it's, it's almost hilarious, isn't it? <laughs> we find Jonah, he's run. You could say he is asleep to the call of God because he tries to get away and he goes on the ship and he goes into the hold and the account says that, that he falls asleep into a deep sleep. And, you know, maybe one of the things that we could draw from this is that, you know, Jonah is asleep to the call of God. He's asleep to the direction of God. He's asleep to the will of God. And God hurls a storm into Jonah's path. This captain, he walks down into the hold and he wakes Jonah up and he says, Jonah, how can you be sleeping at a time like this? And for many of us, I don't know how we view the storms of life, but I think oftentimes we can see these storms come our way and we can say, why is this happening to me? Well, what did I do? And sometimes storms can be a result of our own disobedience and potentially like this one with Jonah, but other times storms can just happen. They can just come our way. And for no reason at all, we find ourselves in the middle of these storms. We can say, God, what's up? Why am I suffering? Why am I in pain? And I think the beautiful thing about this storm is that it wasn't necessarily God's judgment of Jonah's disobedience, but it was more God trying to wake Jonah up. There was a grace in the storm. There was a, there was a mercy in the storm. And I think you need to know today that your storms are never wasted, that there is always purpose in your pain. Whether, regardless of what the storm looks like, regardless of where it comes from, that's not the point. The point is, is that, is that there is always purpose in your pain. There is always a purpose for the storm. As the scripture teaches us, God uses all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. C.S. Lewis put it like this in his book, The Problem of Pain. God uses storms as a megaphone to rouse a deaf world unto him. So it is in this sense that that God is not necessarily judging and punishing Jonah for his disobedience, but rather he has hurled a storm into the pathway of Jonah in order to get his attention. And it's almost as if God is rousing Jonah from his sleep. He's saying, Jonah, wake up. Wake up. I have good things for you. I have good plans for you. I have a purpose, I have a call for you, and just because you've disobeyed me doesn't mean my call is no longer on your life, does not mean that you have missed it or somehow you have, that I've given up on you. I'm here, Jonah. God is tapping Jonah on the shoulder through the storm, and he's saying, Jonah, I'm still here. I'm not leaving you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still here. I think God could almost be depicted as a groupie, as weird as that sounds. Have you ever met a groupie before? Groupies can be like really weird and obsessive. Um, Justin Bieber's groupies, by the way, are super weird because at any one day, they know what Justin is wearing. They know where Justin is. They know who he's hanging with. They know everything about him and they're not even anywhere near him. They just, they're so obsessive about Justin. And I think, I don't know, I mean, David describes the movements of God in this way. Psalm 23, he says, 
Your love and your mercy pursue me all the days of my life. That's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? Your love and your mercy pursue me. And then in Psalm 139, he says, where can I go to get away from your presence? If I go to the wings of the dawn, if I go down to the depths of the sea, even you're there. Where can I go to get away from you? I'm trying to get away from you, God. Where can I go? God is obsessive about you. It's kind of weird. He just sits there at the end of your bed, counting the hairs on your head. I won't use Phil's joke from last week. (laughs) Kind of obsessive. His love and his mercy pursuing you. All that I can't get, God, I can't get, leave me. But never does. And this is what we see through the story of Jonah. His love and his mercy is pursuing Jonah. Even in the midst of a storm, this is God's grace and God's mercy rousing Jonah from his sleep. How many of you today are thankful for God's love and mercy and grace that he never leaves us, he never gives up on us, he never forsakes us, he is pursuing us all the days of your life. Come on, can you give God an Anglican hand clap this morning? So Jonah is roused from his sleep and he goes up to the hold and like he's sleeping through the storm. So he has to be woken up in the storm, right? So he's like, oh, wow, this is really bad. (laughs) And the sailors are like, hey, Jonah, what's happening? Like, do you know what the problem is? And he's like, maybe, but he's still resistant. He's not making any decisions anytime quickly. So the sailors do what they can, right? They start throwing their cargo overboard. They take to their rows and they start rowing against the storm to try and get to land, which is to say all of our struggling and all of our striving against the grace of God is ultimately useless. All of our struggling and all of our striving potentially against the power of sin in our lives is utterly useless. Paul says, according to the law, none shall be saved. This is why we need the grace of God. And so Jonah sees all of what is happening on the ship. And I guess in these moments, he is, he is woken up to God, finally. Jonah has been roused from his slumber. And he says, guys, I know this God, and I know what you must do. You've got to throw me overboard. You've got to throw me. The guy's are like, we don't want to do that, Jonah. He said, no, this is, this is what has to happen. Finally, Jonah has has gotten to the place that God wants him. He's given up. He's like, God, okay, you you got me. You caught me. I I I thought I could get away. If I just got out of Israel, then I thought that you would give the task to somebody else. I thought that you might forget about me. I thought that. I could actually get away from the call that's on my life. I thought that I could actually outrun your grace, but it turns out that I can't. You caught me. You caught me. It was famously in a storm where 
John Newton turned to the Lord. He was sleeping in a hold, similarly like, like Jonah, and a huge wave crashed over the boat, and he went up, and the ship was breaking apart, and it was a crazy storm, and John, who had mocked God and openly been so against God and mocked Christians and mocked the work of... It was in a storm that he was wakened from his slumber. He, was, he turned his life over to God. It was in a storm, ultimately, that the prodigal son turned his life over to the Lord. He took his father's inheritance, ran away, tried to get away from his father's house, and found himself on tough times, and came to his senses, the Bible says. And it was when he came to his senses that he turned back to his father's house and said, life is so much better there. Let me go back to my father. God uses the storms in our lives to rouse us from our slumber, to get us to where he always wants us to be. Place of surrender. Give up and say, okay, God, enough sleeping, enough struggling, enough striving. I give up. You got me. You caught me. And it often is only in our weakest and most vulnerable moments, in the most challenging times of life, when we are pushed to those extremes and we say, okay, okay, God, you can have it. You can have my life. You can have me. I've got nothing left. You call me. You got me. You can experience true peace today because of what Jesus did for you on the cross through his death and resurrection. So wherever you are, why don't you just close your eyes, bow your heads, to God. Open up your heart to Him. It's time to give up. The sleeping, the struggling, the striving, the running, the avoiding, the evading. And surrender to His grace. we thank you that you never give up on us you never forget about us you never run from us but God rather you're running to us and as Charles Spurgeon said slow are the footsteps of repentance are swift are the paces of grace swift to your paces that catch us that capture our heart we thank you for your love thank you for your mercy we surrender afresh to you Lord.